Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, and then there were 50. The FedEx Cup playoffs continue this week at the BMW Championship uh, with the first round of cuts made in this lucrative end-of-season PGA Tour party, and it is a party. Uh, while there is plenty of prize money up for grabs, there's much more than uh, that, as the Ryder Cup selection for the American team looks as convoluted as ever, with so many fringe players making their cases. On the live side of things, both uh, teams could uh, be wishing Cam Smith was an Australian, uh, available for selection as he dismantled the Bedminster field, winning by seven shots, a record margin. Uh, that two and now goes on holiday for a month. But David Bileski doesn't because uh, he's all over everything in golf and that's why we love to get him as often as possible for you golf fans. He's a genius tipster at Deep Dive Golf on Twitter and back on the show this morning because, uh, David, we can't have you with this prestigious BMW uh, championship up for grabs out of Olympia Fields Country Club in Illinois. Um, this is uh, a course with a lot of history where 50 players will be uh, reduced to 30 to go to the Tour Championship. Good morning, Smithy. Yeah, pleasure to be with you as always. And um, yeah, an exciting tournament. I mean, this this course is is devilish to say the least. And we saw that in 2020 when it previously hosted the BMW Championship. It was the toughest course on tour that season. And um, John Rahm managed to win it at minus four with a with a pretty stunning weekend where he shot ten under over the weekend after um, starting off very very sluggish with a five over in the first round. So um, very very interesting course. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see all of these players um, struggling their way around and trying to keep their rounds together. Right, okay. I assume we're playing on the north course for this because that's where the championships have been played in the past. We're looking at a a par 70 course with uh, around about 7,300 yards. It's got a a rating, course rating of 76.6 and a, a slope rating of 150. So what kind of player does this suit? I mean, you, you, you nailed it last week in terms of driving accuracy uh, and very small greens uh, as targets. What about this week? Yeah, and, and it was interesting last week as well because we ended up getting um, all four rounds with lift, clean and pace, so it really emphasised um, driving actually even more perhaps than we'd, um, we'd put weight on, but um, it did deliver some, some decent results for us there. Um, this week, it, it really does come as simple as, as driving distance. I think you're going to have to be long off the tee to be successful here. The tournament in 2020, all of the top six ranked in um, 11th or better for driving distance within the field. Um, you've got a very um, long set of Par fives, both are over 600 yards, and the, the devilish par four, 18th, which plays at 510 yards, um, and was one of the hardest holes um, during that tournament. So, I, I do think with the with these fairways, they're only 25 yards in width, and it seems like it's going to play a little bit like Wingfoot did in 2020, where Bryson DeChambeau um, managed to win that tournament, and his strategy there was well, every single player is finding the rough, um, and I'm just going to go out and rip driver, and it's better to be 100 yards from the green. Um, in the in the rough, then 150 yards from the green and still in the rough anyway. So I think it's going to play very similar to, to that this week. You, you're going to need to have uh, some decent driving distance off the tee. Ideally, you're going to have accuracy as well, but that really just
just narrows down the the field to the the top golfers in the world um, if you start doing that. And then um, approach and around the green are very important to me as well. Um, around the green, we saw this had the um, the third lowest um, number of hit greens when um, it was played here in 2020. So you are going to need to scramble to try and keep the momentum to try and keep your round going. Um, so having some deep touch around the green, um, thick four-inch Kentucky bluegrass, um, it's going to be absolutely brutal. So um, we're looking at kind of like US Open type conditions is really the only way that I can I can describe it, similar to what we saw at Wingfoot. Um, Oak Hill was a very decent concourse as well. And then um, Riviera Country Club as well, there's some decent links with that course there in terms of um, some of the players that have crossed over. John Rahm won this in 2020 and he won Riviera earlier this year. Um, Benny Ahn has a good record at both of them as well. Um, Joaquin Neiman won at Riviera and then he was third here at Olympia Fields. Justin Johnson was a winner at, Genes- at the Genesis. He also had two run-ups there and nine top 10 finishes and he was in the playoff with John Rahm here in 2020. So I think um, Riviera Country Club and the Genesis Invitational should give us a lot of hints of who's going to play well this week. Okay, well you talk about tr- distance off the tee um, and uh, players who are just going to rip it um, in DeChambeau fashion, uh, that is a, a McElroy thing. And once again, we see him at the just uh, ahead of Sheffler at the top of um, our local betting anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, I, I think that um, there's, there's a lot of momentum going Rory McElroy's Roy's way after last week. He played very well. Um, he was he was decent enough off the tee. Um, the, my, only, my only question with him would be that... I'd, don't know if we've actually seen the best of him on these really tough courses. I mean, look, it's, it's Rory McIlroy. If he goes out and wins the tournament, I don't think anybody in the world's going to be surprised because if anyone tells you, tells you Rory McIlroy's a bad golfer, um, you should run away from them immediately. Um, but I think that for me, actually, my preference is, again, John Rahm, just as it was last week. You know, we saw from John Rahm last week when we put him up that he um, had a had a, he really struggled in that first round and it's it's always difficult when you've got these big gaps between tournaments. I mean, for the majority of those top players, they hadn't played since the Open Championship, so it was about three or four weeks and he did get off to a slow start. It's also a very penal course where um, there's a lot of water in play and he, he had three tee shots actually where he had to take a penalty stroke in the first round and then after that, in the second, third, fourth rounds, he was a lot, lot better um, when we started seeing him um, turning into the right way um, after that point. So I do, I do think that John Rahm perhaps, um, I mean, look, it's always t- it's hard when they, they have a gap like that to think about who's been practising the most. You know, maybe he just put the clubs away after finishing the second of the Open Championship and just took a bit of a break mm-hmm. and he was still a bit rough around the edges coming out in that first round, but he was much better the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I think the correlations for him, I mean, he's extremely strong off the tee. He's both long and accurate. Um, he's got good touch around the greens. Um, his iron play is really on point. He's obviously the previous champion here. He won at Riviera earlier this year. So there's a lot going for him, and I think that he goes um, perhaps a little bit missed for, for people who were on him last week, and I'm quite happy actually to, to go back to him again. Um, you still get him at 10-1 to 1 at the moment. Okay, interesting. Uh, you're also um, very big on, on form. You, you like the way players progress uh, as they come up to big events. Well, Cantlay beaten in a playoff uh, just the other day with Lucas Glover, who you can't deny his form. Uh, and then you get a player like Tommy Fleetwood, who for me just can't quite get over the line for some reason. Yeah, Tommy Fleetwood's fascinating because he, it's not like he, he isn't used to winning golf tournaments. I mean, the DP World Tour, he was absolutely prolific and he was able to go out there and shut the door. And, and since, he, since he's... 
he's been on the PJ Tour, he has um, struggled on Sundays particularly. I mean, he's been constantly into contention, and on Sundays he just seems to, to crumble and fade. And I, I, I would say with Tommy Fleetwood, one thing that impressed me last week is that he missed three putts in his first six holes um, from seven feet or, or less, and it really looked like he could just go out there and shoot a huge number, and he managed to pull the round together to still remain there or thereabouts. So I will give him credit for that, but it, it, I do totally agree that it looks like on Sundays he's he's really struggling at the moment. And look, if he, he comes out and finishes top 10, I think that's very viable. I just don't see him um, perhaps getting across the line um, there as well. One one who I do think is, is really turning to form is Max Homer. Um, Max Homer's got mm. an excellent record around Riviera. He's won there um, in the last four years and had um, top 10s actually every year for the last four years as well. Um, you've got Ben Grass and Poe mix on those greens there as well, which we see here. And um, his game's really starting to trend. We're seeing some um, some very good results from him lately, um, continually improving on his approach. Plenty long off the tee, but he is um, accurate as well. And so his last four tournaments read 21st, 12th, 10th, 6th, um, constantly improving. And um, I think that he's a decent shout. We're also expecting a little bit of rain and thunderstorms on um, tomorrow and in, in day one of this tournament as well. And um, a lot of Max Homer's victories have come in um, wet and kind of windy conditions. So we saw that at the Fortnite Championship. We saw that, that at the Wells Fargo at TPC Potomac, mm-hmm. which I think is a very good um, comp course as well. Um, so I think that he's um, a little bit sneaky and you can find him at 25 to 1 at the moment. I really like, because you talk about scrambling here, and I think Ricky Fowler's one of the better scramblers. And, you know, I, I'm just, I, I don't think he's, I mean, he's had a terrific comeback season, but I, I don't kind of feel it's over yet. I think he's got a, another statement to make. Yeah, it, it, his game has faded off a little bit, would be my only um, cautionary word there, is that he's, he's lost on approach for his last two tournaments now, so I mean, the Open Championship, look, I can discount that a bit, it's a, bit, it's a big change for those PGA Tour players going across to a link-style course and um, hitting their irons in, in a different way with a lot of ball flight, um, but the fact that he then lost uh, on approach again at the FedEx St. Jude last week, um, finished 58th in a field of um, 70. Um, look, he's a, he's a wait and see for me at the moment. Um, what I would give him is that, um, yeah, as he said, he, he is very good around the greens and um, he tends to gain plenty um, on distance and keep the ball in play um, with his driving accuracy as well. So um, he's more of a wait and see for me this week. If he came out and, and um, shocked us, I, I wouldn't be completely surprised, but I think there's probably better options in the field for me this week. Okay, let's uh, look uh, at the, the Ryder Cup then, um, can we please, uh, David, because obviously uh, the, the top eight are locked in and then you're looking at uh, Zach Johnson making uh, four captain's picks. So we're probably looking at Scheffler and uh, Wyndham Clark, Cantlay, Brian Harmon after his success, uh, rocketing up uh, the point status. Um, you've still got Brooks Kepter in uh, the mix there and um, uh, I'm not quite sure what the status is there. Max Homer, as you mentioned, uh, Xander Shoffley and uh, Jordan Spieth, pretty much uh, in the reckoning there. So outside of these guys, uh, you're staring down um, a little nucleus of players like uh, Colin Morikawa, um, Keegan Bradley, who would be a bit of a surprise. You've still, uh, you've still got a factor in uh, Justin Thomas, don't you? Um, and, and perhaps Ricky Fowler. Which direction would you head in if you're Zach Johnson? 
It's it's absolutely fascinating because I I wouldn't have expected at this point of the season that actually the the US captains have the tougher job in my mind in terms of selection because a lot of these top names that you've alluded to just haven't been producing this year. I mean Justin Thomas has had an absolutely dreadful season, perhaps the worst season of his um, golfing career. Tony Finau's really gone off the boil, um, and he would have been a, almost an assured pick um, beginning of this year given the form that he was in. Colin Morikawa's had a decent season, but he still hasn't managed to get a win um, this year, um, just as he did last year, which was his first season on the PGA Tour, that he didn't achieve a victory. So there's um, there's not many of those big guys um, putting their hand up. And, you know, that's led to a situation where Lucas Glover, I mean, a guy who, um, you know, just six weeks ago was completely out of the reckoning. I mean, he was 167th in the FedEx Cup rankings six weeks ago. He's now fourth. Um, he's won back-to-back weeks, um, and mm. he's just completely turned his season around, and then suddenly he's in the conversation as well. So it is extremely um, interesting what the captains are going to do here. I agree with you that those top eight are like absolutes. They're, they're definitely in, um, regardless of if they drop out or, or in of those um, top six automatic qualifications. Um, those eight names will be on the plane to Rome. Um, I think Colin Morikawa as well, you just absolutely have to put him in because he's he's had a decent enough season without getting that um, that final victory and um, I think his skill set would really suit um, the course. We've also had Freddie Couples, if we believe him, kind of accidentally dropped the fact that Cameron Young was definitely going to be on the plane to, to Rome, which I personally found surprising because I don't think he's been in the best form this season. He's been off the ball um, for quite some time, but obviously they've identified something in his skill set that's going to suit that course over at Marco Simone in Rome, so um, his name's on the board as well. And then it, it really comes down to, I think, these next two weeks are going to be pivotal. I think if you see Lucas Glover come out, and have another top ten finish. Um, he his name is almost certainly on on the ticket there on his way. Keegan Bradley as well. He he probably needs um, another top five finish to to come into the reckoning. But he's had a fantastic season. Um, I think after the Travelers Championship, everyone was sort of um, alluding to the fact he was he was almost definitely going to be on the plane. And he's won twice mm. this season as well. So bear that in mind. Um, but yeah, I think if if Cameron Young's definitely um, put in there, you put in Colin Morikawa as well. Um, I, I think that Justin Thomas, unfortunately, is going to miss out despite his um, bromance that he has with um, Jordan Spieth. There's a fantastic team relationship between those two players and um, it's, it's, it's promising for Europe's chances, I would say, that this conundrum is now um, hitting Zach Johnson and the rest of the Ryder Cup captains because if they decide to go the Lucas Glover and, and go with popular opinion, um, I mean, in, in long-term form, you're going to have Tony Fenel beating Lucas Glover every day of the week. Um, and I think it, it really elevates the chances of um, Europe to, um, getting the victory there. Yeah, OK, you like, your, you, you, you like Europe. That's interesting. And I'm just finishing on this, the Cameron Young. Uh, he was runner-up, wasn't he, in the uh, Accenture match play. Uh, he was beaten heavily in the final, I think, from memory, from Sam Burns, who's sort of gone off the radar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, and, and of Sam Burns, I mean, Sam Burns is currently 12th in the Ryder Cup points um, for the automatic qualification. I mean, if Sam Burns came out and won this week or, or managed to get a victory next week as well, he'd be right there in contention as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he did get defeated quite heavily in that, that final round. Um, it, it just kind of fell apart for him, but I still think it was a promising performance um, with the second year. And, okay. and sort of after that and then finishing seventh at the Masters, um, he was right there in contention. But then since since then, he's only had two top tens in about a dozen tournaments. Um, he's had several missed cuts, um, 
several um, tournaments where he's finished like 57th and 60th. Um, so I was a little surprised to see, see Fred Cobble say that he was um, a, a definite going to, to Rome. We'll see if um, the rest of the captains agree with that opinion and, and that comes to fruition. It's hard to believe, actually, that uh, the PGA season as such finishes uh, in about uh, 10 days' time because uh, we're, we're not even really um, at the end of August, but that's the way it shapes up. Uh, and I, I guess the scheduling is pretty much in, set, uh, in place for next season already. Yeah, really interesting announcements from the PGA Tour in terms of the, the structure of next season and, and how that's going to work. Um, bear in mind, I mean, we've only got a, after the, the Tour Championship, we've only really got a break of a couple of weeks and then um, the four-season event start with the Fortinet Championship. So they kind of uh, get a, a little two-week rest and then um, quite a few of these players will be back out again trying to elevate their positions for next year. Um, look, next, next year's PGA Tour structure, I love that they're going to the full um, calendar year for their schedule. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's quite confusing for people that um, the tour starts again um, in August. I think it's um, they'll keep those fall events, but the fact that they've got a year-long structure instead for um, the tournaments next year is really interesting. I don't necessarily agree with the, the no-cut events that they've put in place. I mean, bear in mind that there's only seven of them and um, several of them were already um, no-cut events, so really it's kind of the addition of, of four um, additional events which aren't going to have a cut but for me I just think I, I understand the sponsor and the TV viewership point of view that they don't want Roy McIlroy getting knocked out after two rounds but as a as a golf fan the, the cut is one of the most compelling elements of those first two rounds. Uh, you, you're going to lose viewership over a Thursday and Friday because they're just a little bit more irrelevant now and I personally would rather be watching Rory McIlroy or John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler or any of those big names um, struggling around a course trying to put it together and desperately trying to make that cut line um, then mm. two rounds of just kind of warming up towards the, the weekend and they're inevitably going to be here uh, it kind of raises a question for me as well of like if, if Rory McIlroy you know, in a in a no cut event is is ten over. Are we really actually going to be seeing him on TV on Saturday and Sunday anyway? Like we're not going to see a hell of a lot of shots from him in any case if he even makes the weekend. So it's it's I understand the pressure from from the sponsors um, in terms of viewership numbers of keeping those big names around, but there will always be big names that make the weekend. And if one out of ten of the best names in golf doesn't make the weekend, actually for me that makes quite a compelling storyline that people can buy into and it can um, increase viewership on the first two days as well. So, um, look, it's going to be interesting how Liv fits into all of it as well. We don't really know what that's going to, to do. And, um, yeah, interested to see how that all plays out as well. It is, David, actually. It really is fascinating, and the Ryder Cup picture gets uh, a little more clear, uh, clearer after this week and next week in particular. David Bileski, folks, uh, he is a, a genius tipster. His uh, Twitter page is Deep Dive Golf. Deep Dive Golf. Uh, you've got to get it. You've got to get in there because uh, at the end of the day, if you listen to David, you'd probably be a lot better off for it. David, thanks for your... Uh, Thanks for this morning taking part again and uh, no doubt uh, we shall be on to you again next week as we head into the Tour Championship proper. Um, I hope your tips go well this weekend. Plenty of people following. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Thanks, buddy.